Hey guys, this is Pastor Zach, and you are listening to Sermon Notes here at HPC. Uh, turn with me to Psalm 31. I know, it's cliche. It's Proverbs 31. <laughs> it's Proverbs 31. We're on the Proverbs 31 woman this morning. And um, Ashley and I were joking about, uh, yeah, just how easy it is to mess up Bible books and names and words. And uh, we're going to be in Proverbs 31 this morning. Thank you for that. Uh, how many of you guys are familiar with this passage? How many of you guys always read this because that first line of the part that starts to describe the woman, it opens up with, this is kind of, this is a good wife, right? When you get down there, it says, an excellent wife. And I've always read it that way too, um, especially coming into Bible school, right? Because they're all like, you want to find yourself a Proverbs 31 woman. And I remember early on, I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like, I haven't gotten, I haven't made it that far in Proverbs. You know what I'm saying? But uh, I thought you had to be 31 years old. I was reading a proverb a year. You know what I'm saying? I finally got to it a few years ago, about 20 years ago. And uh, the deal is, is that this, this is sort of like the cliche Christian description. This is, um, this is a beautiful, poetic picture of what a godly woman looks like. And I, I've always read this in reference to it being a wife, but I want to back you up for a few minutes this morning to Proverbs 31, verse 1. Because the first nine verses of this chapter do not get their fair share of press. And it's for a reason. It's not as exciting. It's not as um, seemingly uh, sort of worldwide and epic as, you know, that last section. But I want to jump in here because I felt uh, the Lord sort of draw my attention to this sort of precursor. It's like the prequel to the Proverbs 31 woman. It says oh, this, the words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. Oh, wait a minute. So there's a mother involved here. This isn't just about a wife. It's about a mother. It starts with a mother. Everybody say it starts with a mother. Everybody say it really started with the father. Okay, I just, I, I, don't want, I don't want any bad teaching coming out of here this morning. All right? The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women. Or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine. Or for rulers to desire strong drink. For they will drink and forget what is decreed. And pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing. And wine to him whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty. And remember his trouble no more. But open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all the unfortunate. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. And defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. I love that this proverb, it's, it's, it's a king. We never see Lemuel's name mentioned anywhere else in scripture. But as Solomon was compiling, writing and compiling, and in all his wisdom and in all his knowledge of all the writings and literature... He found this uh, and said, hey, I think this belongs in here. 
We're going to come back to that in a minute. But we don't see this man. We know he's a king. And what's preserved here is something his mother taught him. For not just preserved like put in a baby book, you know, that goes in the fire safe. It's in the Bible. What his mother taught him. And I want to ask a couple questions this morning. And number one is, what is motherhood teaching its children? What are we teaching as moms? You and me. <laughs> unlike, unlike so much other teaching, why, why is this important? Why, what makes this last? Because unlike so much other teaching, we, we're taught a million things a day. Uh, we learn, whether we like it or not, we learn our entire lives. Unlike so much of other teaching, when a mother teaches us, it sticks. It's not unlike the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in, in um, Scripture is gender neutral, uh, but the Holy Spirit exhibits a lot of mothering tendencies. We see, associate words with the Holy Spirit like comforter. And uh, we, we see uh, this way that um, the Holy Spirit interacts with us, but what I want to draw your attention to is the Holy Spirit teaches us like a mother teaches us, teaches us in a way where it sticks, it stays. That's why I, I think it was just last week or a couple weeks ago, we were talking about how when you receive something, you can't receive it in your head. You need to be able to learn it in your spirit. You need to be able to digest it. That's what graduates our spirit man from milk to meat, right? So that happens when the Holy Spirit is teaching and our spirit is receiving. Why is it? Why is it that what a mother teaches you sticks with you your entire life, even if you decide not to actually do it? right? You still know. That's why you feel guilty. It's a, it's a motherhood trick. That's what it is. But it makes me wonder, why is it that we learn a million things, but unless the Holy Spirit taught us or our moms taught us, it sticks with us. Why? Because the teaching works like this. You see, when we learn something, how many of you guys in college, like, you crammed for tests? And you would learn everything you needed to know. You would stay up all night the night before, and you would learn what you needed to know. Will, I, saw, I better saw your hand go up. Okay, I'm just making sure. Because I feel like we probably crammed together, yeah, more than once. Pulled an all-nighter, and you come in all, like, black-eyed and foggy, and you're like, now I'm going to take this test the right way. Because the way that the world teaches us, and by the way, when I say the world, I also mean anything in the church that is not taught by the Holy Spirit, because that's just fashioned after the world. We, we, we think we're going to learn everything in this Greek classroom. They even call it a Greek classroom style, because Greek philosophers understood that to get everybody in a room and sit them down in a chair, and for somebody to stand up in the front and teach meant that people were going to actually receive what they needed to know. But the problem is you can learn like that, like cramming for a test, like a lecture. And then you can take that test and you can ace it and then the next day completely forget everything you learned. Because it's here. But when a mother teaches us, it sticks. It sticks. When we learn from the world, it's like this. If I don't learn this, I'll fail a test. But when we learn from our mothers, it looks like this. If I don't learn this, I'll fail my mother. That's way worse than any test. 
Just kidding. It's not about failing our moms, but it speaks to a place of peace inside of us instead of a place of chaos. When there's a test coming up or when there's a, oh, I better figure this out. I better learn how to do this. And, there's, and it's more of like a stress-induced learning. We learn with our survival instincts. We learn with our adrenaline. We learn because we absolutely have to know this or we're not going to make it by. And it speaks to the chaos in our lives, whereas the Spirit of God speaks to the peace in our lives. And when mothers raise us the right way, when we have healthy moms that are raising us in the Lord, they're not speaking to the chaos. Our fathers speak to the chaos. <laughs> but our mothers speak to the peace. And because that peace in us is eternal and the chaos isn't, it sticks. You see, the chaos of our lives, it, it, it comes and it's here and then the seasons change, the wind blows, the whatever, this and that, and on to the next thing, on to the next subject, the next class, the next test, the next textbook. But when we allow ourselves to be taught in that place of peace, like this oracle, it lasts forever. Thank you, moms, for speaking to the peace. This next verse is really heavy, and I was debating on how deep to go here. She says, what, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows? This mom is coming out of the box pretty wise. And what she betrays to us is that whatever we give birth to is a product of both our nature, and our spirit. The son of my womb, your son, your children, your, the generations that come from you are a physical product. What that means for us, unfortunately, no matter how much we want to, you know, say this is what I do, it's not for you, do what I say, not what I do, all those kinds of things that we like to, you know, try to raise our kids with that don't work. Lifestyles, of this generation create the life values of the next. When, when this mom says out for all eternity, whoever reads this proverb to hear, and by the way, I think it's by design that we leave out these first nine because uh, there's some pretty hefty responsibility here. Son of my womb, son of my vows. Whatever your lifestyles are, and this is what's so hard. And I think Pastor John taught this one time. And he said, we, um, we reproduce who we are, not what we teach. And I think that the danger in that is we want, we want to teach and we want to reproduce um, whatever the truth is that we're teaching. But in truth, our children, spiritual or natural or otherwise, they are the product of our lifestyle. And if you don't believe that, I mean, the saying, history repeats itself. We reproduce and we instill, even if it's not something we value, if it's a way that we live, it becomes a value of the next generation. And that can be a really beautiful, wonderful, awesome thing. And it can also be a really terrible, corruptive thing. And so I challenge us in this place, and I want to thank the moms in here that have 
that have chosen lifestyles, not because of your own convenience, not because of your own comfort, not because of, you know, whatever makes you feel the most whatever, but you've chosen lifestyles for yourselves in an effort to create life values of the generation that you're raising. And I want you to know God set it up this way and it works. So don't be discouraged, you know, when you don't see breakthrough in your kids the way you want to. Understand that the lifestyle, not just that you lived when you birthed that. Yes, we can talk about like, well, the literal womb and if you're, you know, smoking or drinking or doing drugs and how it affects the fetus. Of course, all of these things are true. But once that child is born even, and maybe even more so, what are they watching? What are they seeing? What are they experiencing? Because no matter how many times we tell them what's important, they're learning it from what we're doing. Okay? And the next thing, son of my vows, spiritual product. It's not just a physical product. It's a spiritual product. This is why soul care is so important. This is why Paul Wapel will stand up here and say to you, hey, deliverance and yielding and these sessions, all of these different ministries that speak to the soul of the church, they're your friend. Because we know that our pride or our fear or whatever it is that keeps us from really allowing the Lord in to minister to those places and to get vulnerable for him, whatever it is that stops that isn't worth it. It's not worth it. Because whatever comes from us is a spiritual product as well. And even when we do in the natural every single thing right, if there is something misaligned in our spirit, It's not just the sins of the father. It's also the covenants, the soul ties, and very clearly the vows of the mother. And so I challenge all the moms in this room and the, and the dads. I challenge us as people raising up spiritual generations. Whatever our daughters and sons are, Whatever we want them to be, whatever we wish they were, they are the product of our lives and our spirits. All right, we'll just keep going. I didn't have an altar call after every one of these points. Okay, so from there, she gets into the good stuff. I get accused a lot of not being practical in my preaching. It's like too deep or it's too conceptual. It's too whatever. And that's why we have the breakdown. Hopefully you guys are all watching the breakdown with Pastor Kurt and Luke. They do a really good job of this. But apparently so does Lemuel's mom. Because I think we should have her on as a guest speaker for uh, the breakdown. Because she says, oh, son of my womb, son of my vows. And then she's like, oh, I see him starting to drift. Let me just get to the point, right? Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. The thing about women and wine, <laughs> aside from that they make great song lyrics and Three Dog Night songs, and <laughs> the thing about women and wine is that, and we often, um, we see our issues and our vices, we see our addictions, um, the way the world wants us to see them as a disease, right? Oh, alcoholism, it's a disease. 
And so we, we accept these different things, these different identifiers over vices and strongholds in our lives, not realizing that what's really going on here is that we're medicating pain. That was one of the things. I was in the Conquer series um, like last year or a year and a half ago or something. I don't know how long it runs together. Um, and by the way, another one of those starts up next Sunday night. So if anybody wants in, thinking about going for another round myself. The Conquer series is incredible. And one of the first things that you come out of the gate teaching is that sexual addiction is not about sex. It's about medicating pain. And I'll go so far as to say pretty much every addiction is about medicating pain. The issue that we have here is that we find a way to numb ourselves. But if you read the oracle of Lemuel's mother, she says right here, here's the, the end result. Here's the side effect of you medicating your pain. She says, for they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. The results of medicating our pain in a toxic way are forgetfulness and perversion. Moms teach us how to deal with stress and pain. You see, we do what our dads do just because they did it. But it's our mothers that teach us balance. If we're learning toxic ways to balance life and stress, we'll never be able to stick to our word or view the world clearly. You'll get drunk and forget what was decreed. For believers, that's incredibly important because what was decreed over us is everything. Yeah. Not just the words that were spoken over us, but the words that we speak, that we declare. Right. Yeah. So when we stay in that state of foggy, when we stay in that place of medicated, maybe it's a, a literal medication. Maybe it's, it's pills. Maybe it's pain stuff that you're still on like 10 years after the surgery. But whatever it is, saints, the challenge here today is to understand that until we're thinking clearly, we will pervert the rights, the commands, the statutes. Does that sound like the Church of America today? The, the, the things that God put in place to, to maintain and sustain order in our lives, those things have gone by the wayside because the church is so darn medicated. Yeah. We're so foggy. And when it comes to like, when it comes to like finally catching hold of a conviction and needing to make a decision, we're so bound up in shame that we can't do it anyway. In that moment of clarity, the, what the clarity shows us is how bound up we really are. So what do we do with that? We medicate. It's a pretty nasty cycle. And I just, I, I'm, my prayer here is that as you're reading this and that you'll think back. And, and I know that not everybody in the room had um, a present mother or a sober mother or uh, a healthy mother. Not everybody had that. But I, I and, and listen, there's redemption and restoration. We're going to get to that in just a second too. But saints, this mom is teaching balance. She's saying, I know that you're stressed out. I know there's a lot of pressure when it comes to being a king. And for the sons and daughters of God that have called, been called to that place of royalty, there's, there's a lot of pressure too, whatever you're doing. Maybe you're not ruling nations. 
Maybe you're not protecting presidents. But maybe you're just trying to keep food on a table. Maybe you're just trying to hold a marriage together with the last little bit of strength that you have. Maybe you're just, maybe, maybe you're just trying to patch up the holes in the knees of your jeans from all the prayers that you've prayed over those prodigals that we talked about this morning. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress. And this mother is saying, hey, I'm not telling you your job's not hard. I'm telling you stop medicating. You, there's a way to deal with this stuff. There's a way to bring this stuff before the Lord. Your job is too important. Your job as a believer is too important. The life that you live uh, in the decrees of the Lord, those words, those promises. Back in the day, the majority of Christians knew what pro the promises were. You could go down the list. You knew what you were promised by God. You knew what the word of God said. But for as long as we're foggy, what we do is we learn it the natural way. We go in, we get a hold of something just enough, just long enough to help us pass the test. Then we let it go. It never makes it to that place of peace inside of us because we're numb. So I love this next line because she says, give strong drink. Hey, there's a place for strong drink. Give it to those whose life is bitter, to him who is perishing. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. What she's saying is the nursing of wounds belongs to those who don't have anything else to live for. It's not for you. It's not for you, son, daughter of God. It's not for you. What she's pointing out here is you couldn't be more polar opposite than that. Well, Zach, you haven't seen my bank account. Well, you forgot what was decreed over you. Because the word of God says that we're the head and not the tail. That we have not been called to poverty, but that we have been called to the blessing and to the abundance, to the, to the balance and the full counsel of our God. Zach, you're starting to sound like a prosperity preacher. <laughs> awesome amen is right this isn't about this isn't about winning the lottery this isn't about somebody giving you a Cadillac this is about the promises that were already spoken over you and living your life in a way that sustains those promises yeah sure strong drink give it to the one who has nothing to hope for give it to the one who has nothing to live for yeah the pills, give it to the one whose life's already over. Your life is just beginning. Your life is just beginning. There's a whole eternity ahead of every one of us in this room. And we're setting a trajectory right now for what that eternity will look like. I think I'd rather do that with a clear mind, wouldn't you? And in eight, she says, you do have something to live for, right? She says what it is. Open your mouth. Open your mouth for the mute for the rights of all the unfortunate, open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and the needy. Micah 6.8 says, do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. We have a responsibility, and our mothers teach it, at least mine did. My mom always made sure that I knew who the underdog was in the room. 
and that my job was not to placate into, it was never to play into the victim mindset of somebody who's being bullied, but rather to bring them to a place where they were above that. And I'll tell you what, I look back as a kid, I mean like, like grade school, and I remember doing it. I remember doing it and my mom encouraging me in the car and talking about it and, and you know, who'd you sit with at lunch and, you know, uh, who'd you play with and this sort of thing and, and talking me through how to pay attention to the afflicted and the needy. And it doesn't look like a, like a social justice campaign. It looks like a believer. It looks like a Christian just loving on people and seeing when somebody's hurting and somebody's wounded. Guys, you know I don't get into politics up here. <laughs> but how is anybody wondering where the church is on this abortion stuff? How is anybody wondering? How is it a conversation? Because we've been too darn foggy for too long. I don't know. I could probably justify this if I rip this page out and glue it to this page and if I white out the whole middle section and if I rewrite it, taking out all the gender identifiers, I can probably figure this out. Guys, stop. Stop playing the game. You're to speak for the rights of the mute. You are to speak for the rights of the mute, the ones who don't have a voice. It drives me crazy how we get to pick and choose what it is that we think is important. I remember people vandalizing and burning down towns and riots and all this other garbage for one cause when we say, hey, if black lives really matter, then let's start with abortion because an astronomically high percentage of aborted babies are African American. What about those lives? Do they matter? The ones that don't have a voice? The ones that don't get to speak for themselves? What about those lives? Who's speaking on behalf of them? Who, who, who's addressing the needs and the rights of the mute? Well, Zach, we need to stay politically neutral in this. Dude, stop with that. I don't want to hear another thing about it. I don't want to see another dumb post. I don't want to see any of it. That's why I don't have Instagram. So stop screenshotting them and sending them to me. We have something to live for, justice, mercy, and humility. My favorite part about this passage is, you know, I, I get into the mystery of, I get into the mystery behind, you know, who is this character? Where do they come from? What do they, uh, what do they mean? What significance? Are they? Why was this guy so important to Solomon? 
And how did he meet him on his, like, all the people coming from different parts of the world and coming into his courts to receive wisdom? And, you know, was this guy just, like, humble enough and confident enough to come up before the throne of Solomon the Great in, the, in his temple of the, you know, one of the seven wonders of the world and, and comes up and he says, hey, let me show you this thing my mom told me. <laughs> I don't know how it got there. And as I'm digging in, I'm like, what happened here? So the more I dig, the more I find that Lemuel was actually one of the seven names given to Solomon. This was Solomon. And it means belonging to God. And I have a feeling that Solomon's mother, we all know who she was, that Bathsheba would have been very aware of who her son belonged to. And it may have been that she addressed him as Lemuel, belonging to God, not mine. You're God's. You're God's. I didn't deserve any kids. You're the Lord's. I don't deserve these blessings. They all belong to, to the Father. But what's so radical about this is that this chapter was written by and for Bathsheba. The Proverbs 31 woman. She's teaching him the oracle and he's repenting it now, not in reference to one of his. And by the way, this is an area where Solomon failed. If anybody needed an oracle about not giving their strength to women, it was Solomon. 700 wives, 300 concubines. And they drove him right off the edge. Some of y'all who are married in here and you're entertaining the idea of a mistress, just go back and read those chapters, okay? Right over the edge. Guys, let's stand together. I want to speak to the, to the mothers in this room who may feel like you have more... Maybe, maybe not quite the squeakiest, cleanest past. Maybe you, uh, maybe you don't feel super confident in what you have to pass on or pass along. If you read Proverbs 31, not just in reference to what a good wife should be, but what a great mother is, Read this through the eyes of a child thinking about his mom. Where is she when she's out? When we're riding around in the car and we stop here so she can go in and do business here. We can stop here so she can visit with this person or see this person. Or when I see her at home and she's making dinner, but it's not for us. We already had dinner. She's making dinner for somebody else in a to-go bag. Read it through the eyes of a child. And suddenly things start to sound a little more interesting. I'm going to read it like this. An excellent mother who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. The heart of her husband, who would have been David, his father, 
trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. It's simple stuff. She looks for wool and flax and she works with her hands in delight. She's like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She rises also while it's still night. Think about a little boy seeing his mom, hearing his mom rustling around on the other side of the wall like before the sun comes up, rustling around, getting ready for the day. She gives food to her household and portions to her maidens and she considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength, makes her arms strong and she senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. That's something a kid would notice. I saw the crack of light under your door. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. If you're a little boy, you're paying attention to your mom's hands. Note the attention given to his mother's hands. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hands grasp the spindle. She extends her hands to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for, her, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, supplies belts to the tradesmen. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She opens her mouth in wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of the household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. About a woman, about a woman who was so caught up in scandal, name on every tabloid, caught up in, in a murder scandal and adultery and an affair. Guys, our God is a redeemer. Our God is a redeemer. And it would be just like him. It would be just like the father. You know what? I actually read some, some old rabbinical writings and, and some of these rabbis that you see them and they're, they're actually in, the, in their commentaries. They're trying to make sense of this. Wait, this guy appears to be Solomon, Lamuel, but it can't be Solomon because that would mean the Proverbs 31 woman was about Bathsheba. And we can't have that. That doesn't make sense at all. We're not going down that road. It's just like the Lord. Just like the Lord to take your mess 
to take your disaster, to take your all hell broke loose and everything I touched turned to poo. It would be just like the Father to take that and through you speak the oracles that would be preserved for all eternity to change the world, to dictate what a godly woman would look like. It would be just like God. So let's do this. We got plenty of time. If you're a mom in the room this morning and you say, man, it's not quite that bad. I'm not sleeping with the president. But maybe, but maybe it feels like a disaster sometimes. Maybe there's stuff that you can't hold together. Bathsheba would have carried a lot of guilt for the death of her husband. She would have carried a lot of confusion. She, she wouldn't have understood how to reconcile and manage a lot of what seemed to be dysfunctional in her life, losing that first child and, and feeling like a mess. But saints... She was the one God was looking for to raise up a son through whom wisdom could be instilled and spoken. If you're in the room this morning and you say, yeah, I, I need that kind of redemption in my life, in my family, in my motherhood. If that's you, step out of your seat and meet me down here. I wanna pray for you this morning. I'm gonna trust that God is still doing what he's always been doing. He's still looking for the least likely. He's still speaking over and for the afflicted. And he's looking for moms who would raise up a generation sober in mind, clear in thought, believing that no matter what was in their past, their eyes and their smile could be on the future. Yeah, look at all these beautiful moms down here. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Could y'all just sneak a couple more steps forward towards the middle here? I know it's weird. It's lit up over here, but that's all right. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm going to have Pastor John and our prayer team come down, if you would. I just want to move through this crowd, and I want to declare over the declarers. I want to speak life over the life givers. We want to cancel the lies and the assignments of the enemy to get you caught up in the past and I want us leaving here today smiling at our future you're not afraid of the snow you're not afraid of the weather you're not afraid of the storms can we get some is Rob and Rachel who's, who's over here yep could y'all come down pastors elders start working this way thank you Jesus, 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 Jesus.
this week Ashley and I were talking about moms and mothering and we were talking about um, we were talking about grandmas and I, I felt this like bizarre burden for grandmothers who were trying to they were trying to compensate for a mess that they made the first round and they're trying to look to the look to the next generation and you say, well, if we skip one, you know, maybe we can make up for it with the next one. And you're trying to, you're trying to be a mom in a place where there's a different anointing on you and it's to be a grandmother and to not be afraid of that or, or to try to backpedal from that. It's a different thing. It's a different calling. It's a, it's a wonderful, beautiful thing. And I just, uh, I, I feel like such a burden for, um, grandma's in this room and you're trying to wrestle with that you're trying to trying to step in where maybe your daughter or your son stepped out and you're trying to fill in holes and I believe the Lord would say to you let me do this let me do this this is how I redeem this is how I redeem and and I wonder if there's somebody here this morning and you'd say that is me Zach I'm that grandmother and I've kind of I'm, I'm, I'm wearing a couple different hats here. Is there anybody here like that? I see that hand. I'm coming to you. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There she is. Jill. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. Lord, I just pray over my sister right here, God. And I thank you, Lord, that before she could be a mother or a grandmother, she had to first be a daughter. And so, Lord, we just speak over that daughterhood that it would be revived in the name of Jesus. Lord, that those things that she's felt like she had to let go of, the identifiers with you, God, the relationship with you in some of those places, God, I pray for a reconciliation and a restoration of those of those uh, foundations, God, that baseline of knowing who she is in you. So, Father, I speak peace over her mind, God, over her heart, those things that are hurting, those things that feel chaotic, dysfunctional, God. We speak peace and order into that family, God, into this life, God. Lord, that there would be no shame, that there would be no place of hurt, that there would be no guilt no doubt and no fear. Lord, we are not afraid of the past and we're not afraid of the snow. But Lord, we smile at the future. We smile at those generations, not because we're going to fix them, not because now we're going to be what we haven't been in the past, but because you're going to be who you've always been. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Any more grandmas? Oh, there she is. 
didn't know it and couldn't see it. There was Jesus. Oh, for this man who needs amazing kinds of grace, forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay. And I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day that there was Jesus, there was Jesus in the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Is there any more grandmas over here? Didn't know 
If y'all need to slip out, please feel free to go. If you need to spend some time at the altar, please don't leave before you do. God bless you guys and have the best Mother's Day ever. This is Pastor Zach and you've been listening to HPC Sermon Notes. Love you guys. God bless you and have the best day of your life.